You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. For more on building optimal performance into your life, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncie, and I want to welcome in today's guest. We are lucky enough to be talking to the first American to claim the title of World Memory Champion, Mr. Alex Mullen. Alex, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so we're really excited to do this. Before we really dig in, we'll introduce you to our listeners. Um, you're, you're a young guy. How old are you? Yeah, well, I'm uh, 23 right now, almost okay. 24 in, in a month, but, okay. but yeah, I'm 23. So, so at 23 years old, you have a resume that says uh, you have an undergrad engineering degree from Johns Hopkins, your second year medical student at Ole Miss, mm. you are the first American <coughs> world memory champion. Yeah, sorry, that's always kind of a confusing thing to say. <laughs> yeah. First, yeah. first but, American to win uh, that title. And right, that's right. <laughs> that was 2015, and you're also the Guinness Book of World Records holder for most digits memorized in one hour at 3,029. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's an incredible resume. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff as we get going, but before we do that, a couple of housekeeping notes for you guys listening. Make sure you head over to OptimalPerformance.com to see the video version of this. I'm sure Alex is going to share some stuff with us that uh, we'll provide links in the show notes, uh, all kinds of resources for you guys to uh, increase your focus, enhance your memory, um, learn a lot of the stuff that has helped Alex be so successful uh, so early on in his life. Um, also, if you haven't done so, uh, while you're on the site, make sure you sign up for our VIP uh, list of optimizers so you can stay up to date with everything that we are bringing you to help you optimize your life. And share the Optimal Performance Podcast with somebody that you know who will benefit from and enjoy what we're talking about and what we're doing here. Because um, that's our goal, ultimately, is to help, help more people live optimal. So, Alex, let's dive in. Yeah, let's do it. You, you're, you have an engineering degree. Now you're in medical right. school. Right. Where, where do you want to be in 5, 10, 20 years? We're just going to throw the, the hard one <laughs> right away. Um, so first of all, let me just say I'm, I'm a little sick, so I apologize. If, I apologize if I keep coughing. Um, but yeah, I so I so I went to Johns Hopkins for uh, for undergrad. I got my degree in biomedical engineering. So I mean, I, you know, even going into college, I kind of knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. Which, so which is why I did um, biomedical engineering. But then I so I went to med school. I'm in med school now. I'm a second year student. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, you know, in five years, I I'll. I'll hopefully be a resident somewhere practicing medicine. Uh, still not sure yet what specialty it's going to be. That's still kind of figuring that out. Hopefully I'll figure it out next year. Um, and then, yeah. And so I've, I've kind of, you know, this was something that I definitely didn't expect. I have all this memory related stuff that I, that I work on now that, you know, five years ago, wasn't even on my radar at all. Uh, and so I kind of, my goal, I guess, you know, moving forward is 
to, you know, be, be a physician kind of probably first and foremost, at least for the moment. And then, uh, kind of, you know, work part-time on the, all this memory stuff. Um, most of it targeted towards education. So helping people apply memory techniques to the classroom, to learning, you know, material for exams, uh, stuff like that. Okay. Very cool. Now that's one of the things I've seen that on your website where, you know, it was your, I don't want to call them struggles, but, but your experience in the early part of med school that prompted you to kind of pursue this memory stuff. So I guess that's kind of twofold is, you know, you have that experience, but also, um, you know, now that you have learned it, that you're trying to, to bring that in and share it with more people, um, you guys talk yeah. on your website. You and your, your your wife kind of do this together, right? That's right. Yeah. So my wife is also she's she's right over there. <laughs> uh, she is a she's also a second year student uh, at Ole Miss with me. So we okay. we both uh, she doesn't do memory competitions, um, but we both do. We both are med med students, and I've kind of taught her these techniques over the years, and she's she uses them as much, if not more, than I do. Um, and so yeah, we both kind of uh, we both use the techniques in school, and we both work on you know, this website trying to teach the techniques to other people. Now, one of the things that you guys mentioned on the website is that, that you want to try to get, help people move away from that ace the test and forget it later, uh, that kind of yeah, cramming yeah. mentality. Talk a little bit about how some of what you guys do is centered around kind of learning <laughs> for life and, right. you know, I'll let you take it from there. Okay, so uh, I guess just to get just to get a little more back into the background, you mentioned that we... We started in med school, but that's not actually quite right. We so I started. I first learned about the techniques when I was a. I always kind of forget this, ironically. Um, uh, like a sophomore in college, so it, it must have been. Let's see, twenty. So I think March of twenty thirteen was the first time that I. You know, got exposed to this whole memory thing. So first off, I guess I should just say that I'm I'm not by any means uh, like a memory genius. I don't have any special memory talent. Uh, I was not born with a great memory. Um, and you know, you know, like obviously I tell people that and they're like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, the, what I, what I do have, I think is maybe, a a, some free time to practice and be sort of a weird obsession with, you know, training and improving at the, you know, this kind of obscure skill. So I, I think I do have that, but in terms of actual like memory talent, you know, I really don't think that I have anything special. Um, so yeah, so I, I found out about the techniques in March of 2013 uh, by this TED talk by Joshua Four, who who wrote this book called Moonwalking with Einstein, which is sort of the most famous uh, account of memory competitions uh, in terms of you know public exposure. And uh, yeah, so I started. I, I didn't really do much at first with using the techniques for learning. I mainly just focused on the competitions and you know memorizing things like numbers and cards. Uh, so for instance, you know, without trying to digress too much in, in the competition, what we do is there's generally 10 events. And so some of them are card memorization. So you, you take a deck of playing cards and you memorize the order of the cards as fast as you can. Uh, there are numbers events. So for instance, you memorize as many numbers as you can in five minutes. Um, other things like memorizing historic dates, memorizing people's names and faces, memorizing the, you know, lists of random words. Sometimes there are poetry events. Sometimes there are, uh, like binary digit events. Um, and so those are, you know, those are obviously not very ostensibly 
applicable to life. You know, most people don't need to memorize binary digits. They don't need to know how to memorize playing cards. Um, and so, the, but, but that was what I was focusing more on when I first started. Okay. And then, so you mentioned that I was an, that I was an engineering major and, uh, you know, part of the reason I didn't really apply it to my school life is because, you know, as an engineer, a lot of it is sort of focused on conceptual understanding and not quite as much on, you know, memorize, you know, it's not as memorization heavy, you know, versus something like medical school, which right. is very memorization heavy. Right. Uh, and so, so the thing is, you know, when I finally, you know, made that transition, graduated, went to medical school, I kind of found myself, you know, and my wife is also an engineer. So we both found ourselves in this position of not really feeling very prepared for the, the volume of information that we needed to be able to memorize. Um, and sort of the sad thing, the really the saddest thing was that like you know at this point I was already sort of an advanced memory competitor and I still was kind of struggling to apply memory techniques to learning you know I could memorize numbers really quickly I could memorize cards very quickly but in terms of you know being able to consistently apply the techniques to my school it, it just wasn't really happening the way I wanted it to and um, so that was frustrating and, and and I remember being very frustrated with the fact that you know, there's plenty of stuff out there on the internet to learn how to memorize cards or to memorize names and faces, but there's really not very many examples out there of how to apply the techniques to learning, you know, medical school concepts, things like chemistry, biology, that, that stuff is, is very hard to find. Um, and so I, you know, that's part of the reason why I eventually kind of moved into this education project. But so, so the good news is that basically, you know, my wife and I kind of experimented a lot and we sort of figured out a way that we feel like, you know, we feel like we have a very good way now of applying memory techniques to learning that works, um, that really kind of capitalizes on the advantages of memory techniques uh, and allows you to remember things much longer than you otherwise would. Um, and so, you know, it's a combination of the way our strategy is sort of a combination of memory techniques uh, spaced repetition for reviewing the material um, and active learning. So like testing yourself using practice questions and things. And so, you know, that kind of combination of things we think really improves your ability to remember something for your entire life rather than just, you know, at the test and you forget it two weeks later. Um, so that was sort of a very roundabout way of answering your question. But Yeah. Well, before we really get into what you're doing and what you found that works, I'd like to hear you your thoughts on maybe why those traditional memorization techniques that, that you would use for a competition don't carry over to more practical things like you mentioned. Right. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I kind of just to, I guess, just to note, uh, you know, obviously Lewis Angel, who's another kind of memory guy, who's, who's a friend of mine, was on this podcast, you know, a, a few weeks ago. Yep. Um, and so I guess, you know, I, I won't go into as much right now about the, about what memory techniques are, because I think he sort of did that, you know, just this idea of kind of visualizing creative stories to represent what the information is you're trying to remember. Um, so I won't go into too much about that, but, but the gist of what, you know, my issues were going from competitions to school, the techniques themselves are, you know, in, in structure, exactly the same. But the things that I was struggling with were, you know, I use, I use memory palaces to learn everything. So, so memory palaces, you know, that's something I don't think Lewis talked as much about, but a memory palace is basically just a, a physical location that you can imagine in your mind 
So it's based off the idea that people's spatial memories are very naturally strong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for instance, if you, if you went to your friend's house, you don't need to sit there and walk around and memorize your friend's house. You, if you left without even thinking about it, you would, you would remember the layout of his house or his or her house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of the basic idea. And so when I'm memorizing things, I always have this place that I'm imagining, you know, I'm not actually in that place, but I'm just imagining that place in my mind and kind of walking through it mentally and placing these images and stories to remember the information. Um, and so that's what I do both for competitions and then also for, for learning in, uh, you know, in school. Um, part of the problem is when you want to use that technique in school, uh, you don't really want to be reusing palaces. So I have to make new palaces every time I want to learn something new. If I, if I learned, you know, say the chapter about, you know, uh, kidney pathology for med school in, in say, um, you know, like the auditorium or the, you know, some part of my original high school, I, I'm not going to go back and re put information in that same place. That place is always going to be just for kidney pathology, nothing else. Um, and so I struggled because, you know, I sort of just was feeling, feeling like I was running out of places. You know, I, um, I felt like I was having to spend all this extra time to make new palaces and it just yeah. kind of felt very, uh, just kind of like too much work. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and so that was a big issue, you know, that I was facing applying memory techniques, uh, you know, from, for, for, for competitions, for instance, I kind of have this set of fixed locations and that always covers all the events I have to do. I just reuse the same palaces. You know, when I do, when I memorize a deck of playing cards, you know, I'll use palace a, and then, you know, a week later, when I mem- want to memorize another deck, I'll just go back to week A and use the same palace. Right. So, so that's not a problem. Yeah. Like every, that, whatever that event is, it's always a palace Yeah, a. exactly. Event two is always palace B, and you would just wipe the slate clean. But for, for medical school, you can't do that. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, that, and, and of course, that, you know, that's part of the idea of being able to remember things very long term. It's nice to have unique places for all the information. When I think of kidney pathology, I always just kind of mentally zoom to that place to the you know the place in my high school right um well, and it's 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 nice to kind of keep it all uh very self-contained like that yeah so that's my question then is is how what was the solution right um okay so so the way i sort of ended up combating that problem was that and i, I hope this doesn't uh get too complicated just just to note like if anybody is very confused by everything i'm saying right now um if you go to my website it's mullenmemory.com so m-u-l-l-e-n memory.com we have lots of tutorials that sort of just explain the basics of memory techniques and how to get started um so if anything's confusing i would suggest doing that um but but to, to answer your question um the way i ended up doing it was First of all, I, I really sat down and brainstormed pretty much every place that I could. So every place that I've been, um, that goes, you know, that's all the places I've lived. That's, you know, every place I can think of on my high school campus, my middle, middle school campus, my college campus, um, med school campus, you know, all the shops, stores, restaurants, hotels, bars, anything, you know, that I can think of that I've been to. <clears throat> and I think one sort of, you know, important thing to realize is that you don't need to know the location perfectly well. So originally I think I was like, okay, I need to pick a place that I know really well. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, so just sort of expanding that horizon sort of opened up this whole new world of places that I could use. And so, you know, 
<clears throat> brainstorming that, I easily sort of came up with like almost 300 different places that I could potentially use. And so suddenly I had a lot to work with. Uh, and then the second thing was that when I memorize now, I, I sort of just choose the, uh, I guess to, to clarify. So when I use the memory palaces, I use different sort of stops along the way. So little points. So for instance, if I'm moving around, you know, the room that I'm in now, I could make one of those stops, the couch, one of them could be like a TV, the TV, one of them could be the fireplace. Um, and I call those loci. So, and, and most people in the memory world call them loci. Um, so you have loci, which are points within your memory palace. And, and when I'm, you know, learning stuff for school, I choose those loci as I learn. So if I'm learning something about the kidney and I learn the first disease and I put it on the first locus, then when I've, you know, decided what I want to memorize for the second disease, I'll say, okay, now I'm going to choose this for the second locus. I'll put the information there. And so it sort of feels like, you know, doing that, sort of doing it on the fly as I go, um, it, it really feels like I'm not adding any extra time because all I have to do is choose the location to start and then I just kind of pick it as I go. And there's no really kind of work I have to do ahead of time to build these palaces. So it sort of cut time down there. And so for people who may not be familiar with the memory palace technique, you when you need to recall the information, essentially you just walk through that whatever yeah. your whatever your physical location is and then exactly, you go yeah. to those loci and you retrieve whatever that information is that you stored or left there. Right. <clears throat> right. So um and you know like I said you just create these kind of crazy stories that you visualize on those loci in your palaces and then you'll find I think a lot of people don't really you know it's it's not intuitive but when you go back and you mentally kind of look at these places those images really just pop back into your head very easily. It's it's funny um, like the the way I was taught was you you make it as as weird and as abstract as possible so that it sticks with you and I mean I, I will yeah. I'm already having every time you say you know kidney pathology I think about okay well Alex's high school auditorium so it, yeah it's a very strong connection especially if it's something that's you know where you spend a lot of time or or have other connections too yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting because like a lot something I've kind of learned using these techniques for school is that, you know, your associ the associations that you make, even if they don't really make sense, end up being a lot stronger than you think they are. So like 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 you said, like, you know, I don't even need I don't need to do something extra to connect my high school auditorium to kidney pathology. It's just sort of like ingrained in me now. I just think I see kidney pathology, I immediately just go there. Yep. You know? Um and those so those associations are very strong without even trying to. Now, let's talk about some of the problems with cramming, because I know that's something that, you know, is a, a big concern for, for you and your wife and what you're trying to yeah, help people. Yeah, absolutely. With. So if, if we cram, you know, why is that not, why does that not work long term? Um, I think the short answer is just that human memory sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, plenty of studies have shown this. Basically, there's there's something called a, a, cur a curve of forgetting. So, you know, the more time you spend having not reviewed something, it's just sort of this exponential kind of decline in your memory. Um, and I think that's definitely, you know, if you really kind of sit and think about it, that's definitely true. Uh, and so, the, you know, the way that science has sort of, you know, shown to combat this, the best way to combat it is to review the information periodically. And so when I mentioned spaced repetition before, that's that's what I mean for anybody who doesn't know about that. Uh, it's basically just, you know, you review the information periodically after you learn it the first time and then you space it out 
more and more and more as you go. So say if you learn something on Monday, you know, maybe you'll review it on Wednesday and then you'll review it again on, you know, the next Sunday and then you'll do it again two weeks from then and then a month from then and then a year from then. So, you know, the nice thing is you don't have to keep reviewing it all the time. It, you know, as you, as you review it more, you can wait longer and longer and your memory will be stronger. Um, and so that's another, that's another big thing that I didn't mention that, um, you know, was sort of the difference between getting these techniques to work for school and not. So, so, you know, this palace thing that I've been talking about, that's sort of, you know, that's something that I struggle with personally, but that's, that's a little more of a niche thing. Um, you know, this, this, this idea of space repetition and reviewing the information in your palaces, I think is much more, um, much more important and much more pertinent probably to the everyday person. Right. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of a fact, like, you know, science pretty much just says it very clearly. Um, you, you know, if you want to remember something from the long term, you have to review it. And really space repetition is the most efficient way to do that. That's, that's, that's how we get it from short term memory to long term memory. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. So we've got two really, really killer tips from you already, Alex, the memory palace, space repetition. Uh, let's, let's press you and see if we can get maybe two more really good memory tips. And then of course, okay. I, we definitely want to talk about, you know, this 20 word challenge. We'll throw that in at the end. Um, yeah, sure. So give let's, let's see if we can get two more really good tips for, to help our listeners improve their memory. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think one, one thing to do, I think is just try to act, you know, try to actively exercise your memory as often as you can. Um, so, you know, a lot of people say that like most of memory is just paying attention. And so I think, you know, one really easy way to apply memory techniques to your life instantly without really any extra time is just to, you know, do things like when you meet somebody new, turn their name into a picture. So I know like Lewis talked about in the last one, you know, he said Ryan, he would turn into a running ant. <laughs> you would imagine, you know, he would visualize a running ant sort of maybe running on your eyebrows or something like that. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, so, you know, that, you know, that doesn't take any extra time out of your life. You don't need to act, you know, you don't need to use any, you know, extra time to do that. You just, you know, you meet someone, you take their name, you turn it into a picture. Um, and that's something that will, you know, get you actively kind of thinking about your memory and exercising it. Um, you can do that with, like I said, names and faces. Um, you can do that when you're watching TV, you know, even just like watching TV. If you see somebody come up, you can turn their name into a face. If you if you, um, you know, come across a list, maybe it's your shopping list or, uh, you know, anything like that, just try to turn those things into images that you can visualize. Uh, and really just, you know, that, that's something that doesn't really take a whole lot of extra time, I think. Right. Uh, and it's, and it's nice. It's, it's a nice way to sort of impress yourself with how good your memory can be. Um, and it, and I, and I think it's, you know, it can be very fun. It's, you know, when you're visualizing things, just, just be as kind of crazy and, um, inhibition free as possible. You just let the association sort of come to you, even if it doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, you can see crazy characters to represent things. You can see objects, you know, interacting in crazy ways. You know, it can be violent. It can be sexual. It can be hilarious. It can be anything you want it to be. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty, uh, it's just pretty interesting. You know, I, I, in my life, like I didn't think, I never, I never even thought like, oh, this is something that I can do. I was like, oh, that seems kind of, you know, I wouldn't have thought, oh, that's something that I can sort of exploit. You know, I just say, okay, that's maybe that's sort of cheating. You know, it's cheating to think of things like that. 
but but it's really not. You know, it really just right. strengthens your memory. It just associates. You know, the, the human mind just works on associations, and that's a way to do that. Do your classmates um, <clears> know <throat> that you're an incredible? You know, memory <laughs> champion. Do they ask you for for help on homework or tests? Um, or? <laughs> sometimes, yeah, occasionally. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they're probably more annoyed with me kind of blowing up their Facebook walls than anything else. <laughs> are you Are you the guy that that breaks the uh, the curve? They don't get graded on a curve because you always get good grades. Um, well, you know, there are some crazy smart people in my class, so I'm not even I'm not even topping that. I'm too busy focused on you know trying to make videos and stuff to <laughs> to actually do well in school. No, I'm kidding, but um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so that that would be one sort of tip is just to you know really try to active actively use it in your daily life. It's not that difficult. Okay. Um, names, lists, anything like that. What about um, languages? You've got some stuff on your website about learning a new language. Sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, essentially it's, you know, learning, learning languages. So specifically like language vocabulary is sort of one of the most straightforward applications of memory techniques. Mm -hmm. So, you know, say the way I do it, for instance, is it, you know, I, I pretty much always these days I'm using some sort of memory palace when I'm learning. Uh, so if I wanted to learn, say 10 words of Spanish, you know, maybe I just start in say the room I'm in now, but I, you know, or I'd imagine some room. Um, it can be inside, it can be outside, you know, it can, it can be anything, but I'm just picking a room as an example. And, you know, maybe I just start with the couch, you know, say there's a couch in the room and, uh, you know, I'll just, just to make it simple, I'll give an example that I did on my website. Um, so, so the word in Spanish for apple is manzana. So what, what you do basically is you make an image for the Spanish word, you make an image for the English word, and then you just kind of make them interact on that locus. Um, on that location. So for instance, manzana is apple. So you, maybe you would imagine an apple for the English word, and then you want to kind of convert the Spanish word into something you can visualize. So manzana kind of sounds to me like, if you break it down, it kind of sounds like man sand. So manzana, man sand. Um, and maybe what you could imagine is, uh, you know, maybe there's like chopped up slices of apple sort of layered all over the couch. And then this man has decided that, you know, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's bothering him. So he, he, he walks up to the couch and he has a big bag of sand and he just covers the entire couch and all the apples <laughs> in, in this big bag of sand. Um, I have no idea why he would want to do that, but that's not really the point. Right. <laughs> you know, um, the point is that it's memorable. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and, and so when you come back to that, you know, you remember their apples in this place, you remember man sand, and then that just kind of triggers the manzana meaning apple. Um, so that would be just an example of that. So with all of the, the memory palaces and the, the imagery, the visualization, it's so out of the box. Do you find that it helps build your brain's um, ability to, to be creative in other ways? Is there carryover into like a creative process for, for writing or, or for doing anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so I guess to, to answer your question, one thing I would say is that I don't think necessarily that memory techniques or using memory techniques has sort of made me smarter. Um, you know, anyone looking to use memory techniques to sort of turn themselves into a genius or to like, you know, be able to just remember literally like quote unquote everything that's, that's not what memory techniques are for really. Like, right. you know, what I think you can use memory techniques to do is apply them actively 
and really make whatever you're learning more efficient. Um, but it's not just going to kind of turn you into a genius, uh, you know, just like that. Um, um, so what, where I was going was that, you know, it doesn't maybe necessarily turn you into a genius, but what it does do, I think what it has changed for me is really boosted my visual creativity. So I'm, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm able to visualize things much more clearly and much more creatively than I was before. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, maybe memory techniques aren't quite as useful for something like engineering or, or math or physics, where it's more conceptual than memorization based. Um, but I think that something that memory techniques can help you with for those things is improve your visualization capability. And I think being able to visualize and sort of see things in your head is a pretty important ways to understand concepts in general. It's a pretty important um, talent or, or skill for, for architecture or engineering. Is sure. That right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think it, may, it maybe hasn't made me smarter in just kind of a general sense, but it has sort of improved my visualization ability, I think, in general. Okay, cool. So have you, have you learned multiple languages? Um, <laughs> so I wish I could say yes, but I, ha I have not. No, okay. I, I'm still sort of, um, I'm, I'm learning Chinese and Spanish right now. Okay. But I'm, but unfortunately, I'm not quite at the point yet where I'm fluent in either one. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and I assume that you're doing it using the techniques that you've told us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I want to hear about this twenty word challenge. How can we yeah. memorize twenty words in order? Sure. So, so the just to give you some kind of uh, background of the idea. Um, my wife and I have this thing called the 20 word challenge on our website, which is just a video where I kind of walk you through how I would use a memory palace to memorize a list of 20 random words. And, you know, you know, memorizing 20 random words isn't really applicable necessarily directly to life. Um, but the reason we like this video and the reason I'm excited about it is because it is, you know, a real confidence builder for a lot of people. So when, you know, when I first tell people about memory techniques, they're, I'd say most of the time, more often than not, they're just like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that. You know, maybe you can do that. You're the world memory champion, but, but I can't, you know, I can't do that. It's not something I can do. Um, and I think just, just showing them how to do this and then, you know, inevitably they'll get 19, 20 or perfect 20, uh, right. It really kind of gives them confidence that they can actually do this and that it really works for people. Um, and so I, you know, I like to, I like to use this as sort of a way to kind of get people in the door to using memory techniques. Um, and so, you know, in terms of the video, I, I recommend it. I, I'd love everybody to watch it. Um, but, but basically what it is, is I just walk through this house and it's, you know, it's exactly like the memory palace technique I've been talking about. I just start on my first locus. I associate the first word with the first locus. Um, and, you know, you, you just go through, I just go through locus number one through locus number 20. And by the end, you have these associations on each locus that will cue you into the to the word. So, you mentioned a couple of different videos on your website. We'll have a link to your website and uh, on the show notes, optimalperformance dot com. Um, mm -hmm. So, for our listeners, you guys can go the, over there and you can see uh, the link to Alex's website. But also, we'll we'll get the uh, the specific video that we're talking about here, and uh, we'll either embed it or put a link to it so you guys can can check that out. I'd love for you guys listening. To, to experience that and, and to experiment with it. So 
Is there a way, Alex, that we can get you to maybe shorten it and give us 10 and, oh, yeah. and take us through it like right now so that if someone yeah, absolutely in their car or, or walking and they want to kind of sure. actively test it? So, yeah, I'll try to, um, you know, obviously it's nice when you can sort of see me doing the examples on the video, but I think you can easily sort of pick loci just of your own home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so let's just... Uh, Okay, I'll just go ahead and do the, if I can remember them, the, the 20 words, the first 10 of the 20 words in the video. Okay. So, so the first word is carrot. So maybe start, um, start outside your house or wherever you live and, you know, try to visualize, try to imagine your mailbox and just imagine that, you know, you're opening up your mailbox and instead of getting out your mail, there's just one giant carrot just sort of stuffed into your mailbox. Okay. So, so that's the first word is carrot. Um, so, you know, it's, it can be a little tricky because people obviously have different types of homes, but let's say your next one is sort of your driveway area. So first one was carrot. Second one is rug. So just imagine that instead of, you know, a nice kind of concrete or gravel driveway, you've just got one long rug. It's just running the length of your whole driveway. So your driveway is just a rug. So that's number two is rug. Okay. So number three, maybe imagine that, um, you know, there's a tree say in your front yard. Okay. And that, um, the next word is papers. So just imagine maybe like a big, um, maybe imagine that there are just a, like, basically there are papers just sort of thumbtacked all over this tree. So you're imagining your tree and you're just sort of mentally thumbtacking in all these papers, covering your entire tree in papers. Um, <laughs> sort of as an extra hook, maybe it's kind of humiliating for the tree because the tree, you know, paper comes from trees. So it's, it's just, you know, there's something kind of an extra hook to remember it. Um, so let's see, number four uh, from the video, the word was fan. So maybe imagine now that you are at your front door and maybe imagine that there's kind of, you know, your, your door is really dirty because there was a recent storm and you're taking this fan. Maybe it's like a Chinese fan or something and you're just sort of wiping it all off. You're cleaning it off with a fan. So that is number four. Okay, and then maybe just right inside the front door, sort of right on the, the rug or, um, or the, you know, the carpet where you walk in, um, you're about to walk in and instead of stepping on the rug to wipe your feet off, you accidentally step onto a miniature castle. So maybe you can imagine some sort of like, uh, you know, Lego castle or something if you want to, um, but you're stepping on a castle. And so that's your fifth word. So that's castle. Um, okay, so let's move into the, let's say the kitchen of your house. And then let's start at the oven. And so the next word is rope. So just imagine maybe that you're opening your oven and just this really bad smell comes out because you've just cooked this huge thick coil of rope and it's just sort of burning and, and you know, smelling bad. Um, so that's the next one. Um, maybe go to your stovetop for the seventh word. Um, let's see, what was the next one? The next one was concept. So that's something that's a little more abstract of a word concept. You know, the other ones were sort of just easy, easy objects. Yeah. Um, but for concept, you know, and I explain this in some of my videos, just try to, you know, think of the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, and so f for me in the video, what I did was I made concept, somebody sort of writing with chalk onto a chalkboard. So maybe explaining some kind of concept on the chalkboard. And so that cues you into concept. And so maybe now imagine that on top of your stove, you are, cooking a chalkboard. Yeah. So, you know, maybe in the frying pan now you're just like kind of whipping up a chalkboard and maybe even there's some kind of miniature person on there 
trying to, you know, frantically write out this concept before he gets burned uh, by the frying pan. Um, so let's keep going real quick. Uh, number eight, maybe make it, you know, your dining room table or, or kitchen table. Um, number eight was star. So, and, you know, maybe you can just imagine um, you're just kind of leaning back in your dining room chair and you're looking up and your kind of ceiling is just covered in stars. So it's like your ceiling is kind of turned into the night sky. Um, number nine is van. So maybe now go to your fridge. And so just imagine that like um, you open up the fridge and now instead of like, you know, your food being where it should be, there's just these big kind of vans, you know, like car, you know, the van, like a van um, just sort of stacked, you know, filling up your fridge. Um, and then finally, you know, almost done. Number 10 um, from the video is sharp. So maybe imagine that you go over to your, you know, silverware drawer now and you, you just kind of blindly sort of reach in there for a fork, but there's a really sharp knife just sticking up and you just prick your hand on that thing. Uh, and, and that's sharp. So if you run, you know, I think you'll find that if you run through these really quickly in your head, you should be able to just do, you know, carrot, rug, papers, fan, castle, rope, concept, star, van, sharp, you know, very quickly, just like that. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I, you know, I obviously had to explain this not knowing what your house looks like. So, right. you, you, you know, you would do it yourself and you would pick something that's very intuitive. The, the journey through that memory palace is very intuitive to you. Um, so hopefully that give you, gives you kind of a taste of what it's like. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Alex. I, uh, hopefully the listeners, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And, and as, you, as you listen, you start to realize that, hey, this is something I can do and it would be very helpful. So very cool. Um, all right. Now we want to talk about the 3,029 yeah, yeah. digits. Let's do it. <laughs> you're, you're a Guinness Book of World Records holder. How many, I mean, just, I, I want to hear all about it. How many attempts did it take to, to get there? I mean, was it, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to recall 3,000 digits? Right, right. So the actual event, uh, so I did it once at the World Memory Championships, which was in China uh, in December of 2015. Um, you know, they have 10 events in the competition. One of them is just this hour numbers event. And so you have one hour to memorize as many digits as you can. Um, so they give you depending on what the world record is, they sort of give you a little more than that. And so they gave us 3,600 to memorize. Um, the record at the, at the time was 2,660. Um, and so, so I, yeah, I memorized about, um, about 30, about 3,400 of those 3,600. And then, you know, I made some mistakes and they, they're sort of very critical, uh, you know, very harsh in terms of scoring. So if you miss one digit or two digits in a line of 40, they they cut off the whole line of forty, so you lose all of those points. Um, so I went from thirty four hundred down to three thousand twenty nine. Uh, so that's memorizing. Even that's like a twenty percent increase over the the previous record. Yeah, and that's, that's, it's that's crazy. Huge. I tell you, like it's crazy because you know memory world records just keep getting broken every year year after year. Um, Six out of the ten events at the World Memory Championships, the world record was broken this past year, um, and it's crazy. So, I mean, just just to kind of finish that thought real quick, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you, I memorized them for an hour, so that's literally it's it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm just sitting there staring at pages of digits <laughs> for one whole hour. After the hour, they take them away. They give you a recall sheet, um, and then I have you have two hours at that point to just take a pencil and rewrite all the digits. Um, and yeah, and so that's that's how it works. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, getting back to the world record thing, it's it's kind of crazy because, you know, in in say these these competitions got started in the '90s or the early '90s, and you know what the records what the world records were say in 2000. At this point in 2015 or 2016 now, they've you know people have quadrupled or quintupled just just completely thrashed the what the old records used to be. Um, and you know those old records used to you know if you looked at those. As a as a quote unquote layperson, you would still be impressed by them. Right now, it wouldn't even be enough to qualify for for the competitions. Right, right. I mean, it's like, it, you know, it's crazy because the people at the time, you know, they they thought they were kind of at the limits of human memory. Right? They're like, okay, you know, I don't even know if people are going to be able to beat this by very much. And then here we are, fifteen years later, just crushing it. It's it's crazy how sort of psychological all of these memory barriers are people just continue to to beat them year after year that yeah it really is um so and when you did these numbers did you go through the memory palace just like you talked about or do you have a different yeah exactly um so so how i do it is i have you know for for these things like numbers and cards people have you know lewis talked about this they have systems to sort of translate numbers into objects or, or people or things that are images that you can remember Right. Um, and so when I memorize, I turn every three digit combination into an image. So for instance, if there's a, if the, you know, if one sort of little sequence of numbers is like three, seven, five, two, um, seven, three. So I break that into three, seven, five and two, seven, three, three, seven, five for me is Michael Jordan. Um, so I'd imagine Michael Jordan, then two, seven, three is like, uh, uh, like a, like a, a nuclear bomb going off. So maybe I'd be, you know, at my first locus in my memory palace and I just imagine Michael Jordan for whatever reason just like setting off a nuclear bomb and destroying that entire locus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and then so and then I just go to the next one for the next set of 6 and the next one for the next set of 6 uh you know ad nauseum until 3000 something. Um So yeah, that's just that's how it works. Awesome. Awesome. Alex, where can our listeners get more of you? You know, like I said, my website's mullenmemory.com, M-U-L-L-E-N, memory.com. Um, and, you know, I, there, there are other people out there, but I'm, I'm, you know, sort of doing my best to address this sort of this issue that I was talking about, which is people don't really have examples for applying memory techniques to learning. Um, it's just not really out there. And, you know, I'm sort of, you know, my wife and I are sort of trying to tackle that problem. Um, and, I, and, you know, I do think having used these techniques now for two years in med school, it, it really, it makes a difference. Uh, and it's not something that you need to be a world memory champion to do. It's not something that you need to really train to memorize cards or numbers to do. You know, doing those things, you know, maybe once one deck of cards a day may help you understand the techniques. But you really can just get started right now if you just go to those, you know, go to the website, watch the tutorials. I think you should be able to get started using the techniques for yourself. Awesome. Now, before we let you go, we ask all of our guests this. You probably heard Lewis answer it. We want to know your top three tips to live optimal. Yeah. Um, from, okay. from, from current world, memory world champion and future Dr. Mullen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, so one of them I think is to, to recognize that a lot of barriers in life are just psychological. And so, you know, I was talking about that, how, how people, you know, in 15 years are just destroying the old world records for memory, you know, records that at the time people thought were 
close to unbeatable. People thought they were at the limits of human memory, and here we are later just destroying them. And it's just, it just goes to show that those were psychological barriers. And I think the same is true for most things in life. Um, people assume you know, it's, you know, it's, a real, it's a real limitation, but a lot of times it's just psychological. So just recognizing that, I think, is pretty important to being able to, being able to accomplish anything. Um, so that would be number one. And, and that's really one of my, like personally in my life, one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from my involvement with memory competitions. Um, that's awesome. I, I'm just going to interrupt and nobody's said anything like that on our show before. I love it. <laughs> Good. Great. <laughs> so, um, and then another one would be, uh, this is a more kind of a specific thing, but to, to have a schedule, like a daily schedule. I, I mean, in my, in my life, like, I think that's like a huge thing for me. Um, waking up at the same time every day, you know, having a schedule and being able to really know where your time is going just to make, you know, make your every day as efficient as possible. Um, and something, you know, something I do to that end is, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if you brought this up before, but it's called the Pomodoro technique. Um, which is basically just like, you know, you, it's, 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 it's when I'm studying for school, I, I'll work for 25 minutes and I'll just, you know, I can focus 100% for those 25 minutes, no distractions, and then take a break for five minutes yep. uh, and then come back, do it again and just sort of repeat. And I think that really helps me to minimize distractions, minimize time, you know, just kind of surfing the web, going on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think and so that just kind of goes into the whole, you know. Yeah schedule sort of thing I was saying. We, we've got a blog post on optimal performance about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, the way that I've never, in the blog post, it's it's mentioned by the name Pomodoro, but the way it was taught yeah. to me was just to work in, in bursts or, or kind of yeah, yeah. chunks of time. So for me, I always do 50 minutes and then a 10 okay. minute. Uh, so it's, it's basically, you know, the same, yeah, similar, the same yeah. ratio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, so that's number two. Um, and number three, this is, <laughs> this is something that I like, I, I, I heard just like a few days ago, but I think it's very, <laughs> I heard it on a podcast, but it's very, I think it's very kind of, uh, profound is just to, just to say yes to things in your life. So I think, you know, that, uh, you know, th- this was a monk, like a Buddhist monk kind of talking about what his sort of secret to happiness is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something really interesting that a lot of people could just sort of easily apply to their lives. Just thinking, you know, just say yes to what's going on. Don't try to fight things. Don't be annoyed by everything. Don't be frustrated. Just kind of, you know, embrace what's going on in life. I think that's a, you know, something I obviously have to work on myself, but it's, it's something that I think is a very, you know, relatively simple way you can, you can sort of frame the way you live your life. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. Alex, that was great. I'm going to try something real fast. If I mess this up, we'll edit it out. But okay. it was carrot, rug, papers, fan, castle, rope, concept, star, van, sharp. Got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Alex, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, for everybody yeah, it was, listening, it was fun, man. thank you guys for, for tuning in. Make sure you head over to optimalperformance.com so you can see the video version of this, get the links and show notes. Um, Alex shared with us a lot of really cool stuff to help us improve our memory um, and and apply it to everyday life, which is very important. Um, Make sure you guys head over to iTunes as well. Give us a five-star review. Let us know how much you love the show. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next Thursday. 
start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.